Hello, my name is Albert, and welcome to another quick episode of Movies, Movies, and Movies. I've got non-spoiler film reviews, Hulu movie recommendations, and I talk about me being able to watch 128 movies in 12 months. On my I Saw That Movie Film Review blog, which you can find on whowhatwhereswhy.com, I've got several movie reviews to share here. First up is Burnt, directed by John Wells, written by Stephen Knight, Michael Kolesniko, starring Bradley Cooper, Sienna Miller, and Daniel Brühl. Overall, a rather forgetful movie because it follows the typical, predictable, cliché-filled story premises found in the food genre of films. It didn't help that the first half of the movie felt all over the place and obnoxious to watch, but at least the second half settled down to a more tolerable direction. At least the food looks good, the life of being a chef for a restaurant looks authentic enough, and Bradley Cooper carried the weight of this movie admirably. Burnt. I thought it's meh. Up next is Room, directed by Lenny Abramson, written by Emma Donahue, starring Jacob Tremblay, Brie Larson, and Joan Allen. Equally a very heartbreaking and sad story as it is an inspiring and enlightening tale. A story told in two halves, the first about being held captive in a small room, and the second is about being put back into a big world that now feels unfamiliar. Strong dramatic work by Brie Larson as a tragic young mother who had to endure such tragedy. An amazing performance by child actor Jacob Tremblay, who is the heart of the story. Room. I enjoyed it. I also watched Goosebumps, directed by Rob Letterman, written by Darren Lemke, Scott Alexander, and Larry Karasowski. Starring Dylan Minnette, Odea Rush, Jack Black, and Ryan Lee. A nice tribute to the work of R.L. Stein, Jack Black does a very entertaining job in the role of the famous author, and the overall cast of actors were entertaining enough. The story is also an enjoyable adventure story with fantastical monster characters that needs to be thwarted. Just ignore the logical flaws in the plot and you should have some fun seeing this, no matter what age. Goosebumps, I enjoyed it. If you had a choice to see only one of these three movies, go see Room. Watch it for the amazing performance by child actor Jacob Tremblay. You can read more of my film reviews on the I Saw That Movie blog at whowhatwhereswhy.com. For my movie streaming recommendation, I'm recommending you to watch as much as 15 James Bond movies that are now available on Hulu. With the release of the newest James Bond movie Spectre, why not look back at the previous films of the franchise? For a lot of the younger people, many of them probably haven't even seen some of these installments. Well, there are 15 of them to choose from via a Hulu subscription, and this ranges from 1963 to 1989, which consists of four actors in the role of Bond. Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, and Timothy Dalton. In the Sean Connery side, Hulu's got from Russia With Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, and Diamonds Are Forever. At least, that's the list for the official movies. And by that, I mean that the unofficial James Bond release movie, Never Say Never Again, is also available on Hulu, which is an adaptation of the original screenplay version of what Thunderball could have been, and stars a returning Connery after 12 years when Roger Moore was already in the role of the character in the official film release of Octopussy. That summer of 1983 was highlighted by those two Bond films and became a Bond vs. Bond fight. In the end, Roger Moore's Octopussy actually made more at the box office than Connery's Never Say Never Again. George Lassenby's installment on Her Majesty's Secret Service is also available on Hulu. It's an underrated film, especially in the sense that it's sandwiched between Sean Connery's You Only Live Twice and Diamonds Are Forever. 
Then there's the Roger Moore films, Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, The Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only, the previously mentioned Octopussy, and A View to a Kill. These Bond movies were more lighthearted than the previous generations, and there are fan circles that deride them because of that fact. I personally thought they were fun to watch. And finally, Timothy Dalton brings back the more serious side to James Bond with the movies The Living Daylights and License to Kill. Both films actually underperform, and it shows that audience may have preferred that lighthearted touch to James Bond, filled with spectacles and gadgets galore, that was popularized in the Roger Moore era. Now, some of you might be wondering where Dr. No is on the list, especially since that was the first movie to feature the criminal organization Spectre, which is the group that's prominent in the current Bond film starring Daniel Craig. Well, Dr. No is unfortunately not available on Hulu, but it is available on several digital movie services for as little as $3 to rent or $10 to purchase. Even with that major omission, this is still a lot of James Bond movies available for just an $8 a month subscription and some of you might still have that 30 days free trial as an option. 15 James Bond movies. Watch them on Hulu. Way back in episode 2, I mentioned being a subscriber to MoviePass. This is a $34.99 a month service that allows me to watch one movie in theaters every 24 hours that isn't 3D or IMAX. I've been a subscriber for 3 years now and started back in November 2012 and actually just ended the 3rd year. I thought I'd share how many movies I was able to see during this past 12 months. This might be a recurring subject every first Monday in November which happens to be right after Halloween weekend which is also Kamikaze weekend for me. So in the past 12 months, I was able to watch 128 movies. These are movies that I actually saw in theaters and not on video on demand or services like Netflix. Doing the math, it came down to $3.28 per movie ticket, using MoviePass for 12 months at $34.99 a month. According to Variety, the average movie ticket price in the US is actually $8.25. With 128 movies at the ticket price, I would have spent $1,056 for the whole year of movies, but with MoviePass, I saved about $637. The total actual cost that I would have spent on movies for the past 12 months without the MoviePass is actually about $1,240, which means I actually save about $820. Now, if you don't watch a lot of movies in theaters, like maybe someone who only watches less than 12 movies a year, then this is irrelevant information. However, if you are an avid moviegoer and would rather not wait for the film to show up on Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon, and would rather not deal with illegal means to watch a film, then consider what I'm doing. As a movie critic, I actually don't bother with advanced screenings, as I feel that the people who read my reviews should be able to have access to the movie as well. My philosophy as a movie critic is if I can watch it in theaters, then you can too. Admittedly, I live in Southern California, which has a good amount of theaters in a 50-mile radius that shows almost all of the movies released within a year. In one year, you'll be hearing how many movies I was able to watch in the next 12 months. And with that said, if I can watch 128 movies in movie theaters within one year, then you can too. Thanks for listening. My name is Albert Patrick, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Albert5x5. Send comments to whowhatworswhy at gmail.com via our Facebook page or through the website. Rate and subscribe to our shows on iTunes. Check out our merchandise store and Patreon page. Music has been provided by The White Access. Find them at thewhyaccess.bandcamp.com. Until next time, this has been an episode of Movies, Movies, and Movies, which is part of the whowhatworswhy.com network.